So I've been living this dual life for a very long time. But uh, one thing that uh, meditation helped me do was to kind of bridge the gap of that duality where I'm not constantly feeling like I'm making a hundred degree switch from my day job to the opera world, you know, and back again. Um, I find more of myself in each of those positions so that um, they're getting more of me instead of me getting more of them. Genius, it takes a lot to get on my show. Genius, you're probably someone we'd like to know. You're really good at stuff, you probably like to dance. You like long walks and you wear clean pants. Genius, get onto my show. Howdy, folks. Welcome to Living with a Genius. I'm your host, Omar Crook. I've got Veronica Christensen on the show today. She's a fellow chorister with me at the Los Angeles Opera. She's also an avid meditator. I've dabbled in meditation. I'd like to say that I meditate regularly because when I did and when I have, it creates a real magic in, in my life. I encourage everybody to try it. That's why I had Veronica on the show. She meditates through Shaolin uh, Kung Fu at a Shaolin temple in Temple City. It's called Shaolin Temple Cultural Center. And it is uh, at 9143 La Rosa Drive, Temple City. Their phone number is 626 283 If you're interested in getting into Shaolin meditation and Kung Fu, give them a call. She volunteers there. She's a lovely lady. She's a trained artist, also a trained singer, fabulous voice, and she's calm and sweet and thoughtful, and it's all because of meditation. I got into meditation by reading Dan Harris's book, 10% Happier. I don't know how. I, I came across his YouTube video of him uh, melting down on uh, live television with Diane Sawyer. He's a news anchor, and he wrote this book uh, from a skeptic's point of view. Most of you know that I'm a skeptic. I'm skeptical about just about everything. And this is one of the only books I have uh, dog-eared and highlighted, about 10 different pages. I really recommend it to anybody interested in even learning about what meditation is all about. It's called 10% Happier, Dan Harris. Happy Monday, everybody. I'm glad you're with me. Glad you're listening. If you like the show, please go to iTunes and rate, review, and subscribe to my podcast. It takes 30 seconds. Mean a mean a whole lot to me. Uh, what else? Mm, I think Trump is going to be indicted by Christmas. That's all I'm going to say. I've been saying it for a year. All my friends think I'm crazy, but we'll see. Could be an early Christmas. Thanks for listening. Here's Veronica. Veronica, thanks for being on the show. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you for asking. I uh, I don't know you that well, no? and I've been here for thirteen seasons. I've been so here I'm, for twenty. I'm going to blame myself on yeah. this one. Okay. Um, tell me a little bit about yourself. How did you find yourself singing in the chorus? Well, um, I come from a very musical family. Mm -hmm. um, I grew up in children's choirs at, at school and did a little bit of church singing when I was younger. Mm -hmm. um, got more seriously into church singing uh, when I was in my teens. And I ran into a couple of friends that were going to Cal State Northridge. And in the meantime, I had attended Cal State Northridge and gotten a degree in uh, illustration. So uh, by the time I got out and, and got into this one church job, uh, I met a couple of friends that were uh, singing, uh, studying at Cal State Northridge, and they encouraged me to try out for the voice program there. 
So I did. Now, granted, this is I'm several years older than them by this point, and um, I was, you know, probably at the same age where most people start auditioning for the Met and doing all that sure, stuff. Sure. So I was older going into the vocal program. I was accepted. Yeah. And I went through that program, and then. Um, uh, then people started telling me, well, you need to audition for L.A. Opera. And uh, so I did. I auditioned a couple of times before I actually got in, but I finally got in. So here I am 20 years later. We have a, a pretty similar story in that I was a writer before I, wow. I was an English major before I found music. Didn't uh, read a note of music when I was 24 years old mm -hmm. and uh, discovered I could sing and decided to study music late in my life as well. There you go. And so here we are. Here we are. One of the reasons I asked you to be on the show, well, I would say the main reason that I asked you to be on the show is that I don't know how I came up upon this, probably Facebook. Mm -hmm. uh, I, and through that, I learned that you uh, study meditation mm -hmm. and that you study it through uh, Shaolin Kung Fu. Am I correct that's in saying correct. that? Yes, that's absolutely right. Let's go back to, uh, and the reason that I'm interested in that is that I, I've dabbled in meditation and I've seen uh, the magic that it can bring mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. my life. Um, I've been talking to a lot of people about it um, uh, recently, and I thought I would just kind of do a show on it, actually. Yeah. Um, why did you come to meditation? Was it was it some crisis that you were facing, or was it uh, trouble dealing with the world, or what was, um, you know, there's they're like these paradigms, these kind of cliche ways of coming right. around that way. Well, actually, um, when I first uh, started studying Shaolin Kung Fu, um, my goal was not to learn meditation. Uh, my goal was to uh, strengthen my body uh, because I had been sick and I wanted to uh, get stronger. And how old were you when this was happening? Oh, it, was, it wasn't that long ago. It was mm -hmm. maybe about uh, 10 or 12 years ago. Mm -hmm. So you were 25? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, 24. <laughs> um, but uh, I knew I wanted to do something to make myself stronger. And uh, Shaolin was always in the back of my head uh, in terms of what I wanted to look for. I'm, I'm uh, going back. Let's back yeah, up yeah, a little yeah. bit. You know, there used to be that show Kung Fu, right? With David Carradine and that whole bit. Sure. Well, it turns out it was based on truth. In fact, that there was a Shaolin temple and, uh, you know, that there were monks running around at that time and, and doing all kinds of interesting things. Mm -hmm. uh, so that show always stuck with me. And I later found out just along the course of living that uh, there really was Shaolin, that they uh, really did practice these martial arts. And I decided when I needed to find somebody, I wanted to find Shaolin. Had you? I'm sorry to interrupt. Did you? Sure. Had you studied martial arts leading no, up to this? No, I I was always very athletic. Mm -hmm. I was in sports and I studied ballet for many many years. And uh, I knew that when my body, uh, when I wound up sick, that I needed to do something to bring my strength back. Well, I wasn't going to do ballet again, and I was still very active athletically, uh, riding horses, hiking, biking, and stuff like that. But I wanted something else. So I started thinking about Shaolin, and I said, you know, I'll bet. If I could do some some martial arts, that would help make me stronger. And I knew that meditation was part of it, but it wasn't my primary reason for looking for it. Now, why not just go to a gym? Um, because I wanted more than just a gym. I mean, there's something... Later on, I discovered that Shaolin is... It's a whole different world. 
uh, it's not going to a gym. It's it's entering into a whole different realm of reality. And uh, it, it's definitely life-changing. It was life-changing for me because when I found it, I was so serious about learning about it. And the more you learn, the more you want to learn. And, this and the is, less you know. <laughs> and the less you know, exactly. And you know, just when you think you've understood something, it's like, no, you don't get it at all. It's mm-hmm. like, you start all over It's like again. music. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, in fact, uh, once, I, once I found a true, authentic Shaolin teacher, a master, uh, that's when I started finding out about how much meditation is integrated into their martial arts. And that's what makes them unique from other martial arts. In fact, uh, the Shaolin uh, martial art uh, system or techniques are the very basis for every other martial art technique that there is. Um, it was kind of the birthplace, which actually came from India. So you could say that India was actually the birthplace of Chinese Shaolin Kung Fu. Wow. Yeah, it's very interesting. And a lot of the Buddhist prayers are in Sanskrit, which is an ancient Indian language, no longer really spoken, but it is in the written text. Now, are you a, a convert to Buddhism? Do you practice? I, I am not a full convert. I took what they call refuge under the current abbot at the Shaolin Temple, Shaolin Si. Um, so I am a follower of Shaolin. Uh, as far as the actual uh, dogmas and teachings of Buddhism, that's something that I'm still very much learning about. Mm-hmm. Now, you said that you grew up singing in the church. Was that because you came from a religious family? I came from a very Irish Catholic family. Okay. Um, uh, we went to church every Sunday mm-hmm. and all of that. Um, and being the youngest, I guess I was the most influenced by all of this religiosity. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, everybody in my family eventually left it, much to my grandmother's dismay, except me. I kind of left it for a little while, but it was the music that drew me back. I see. And ever since then, I've been, I call myself a Kathju Budapalianist. I'm just like everything because of the music, because there's right. so much gorgeous music in every... Uh, aspect of religion, you know, in some of the the Christian religions anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and even in some of the Buddhist religions, there's some incredibly beautiful music. And do you believe in a higher power? Are you a religious person? I'm, you know, I guess you could call me a religious person, huh. yes. Uh-huh. Um, I don't like to carry things to excre- extreme, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really pretty personal about it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, to me, my personal philosophy is, is that... Uh, God is everywhere. God is in everything. He's in our environment. He's in the air. He's in the earth, uh, which might seem like a bit of a pagan concept, but I think some of the pagans might have had something going. Well, it's also literal when you say God is omnipotent. Yes, exactly. I mean, yeah. there's no there's no degree of omnipotence. Right. So I... Uh, I try to respect the the spirituality that's in everybody else, mm-hmm. and uh, I try to increase it in myself. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways I do that is through meditation and to find myself and to find who I am and uh, try to kind of cut through all of the garbage and get to the essence of who I am and who I want to be. Now, did you uh, come to meditation before Shaolin, or was that all inclusive? 
I, I didn't really uh, think about meditation until I started studying Shaolin. Oh, I see. Yeah. And so meditation that, came as a secondary consideration. Right. It, but as it turns out, it's the most important consideration in Shaolin Kung Fu. Mm -hmm. uh, Kung Fu itself uh, is, Kung Fu just means to be uh, excelled at something, to be uh, extremely good at something. Oh. You can be uh, a Kung Fu chef. You can be a Kung Fu singer. You can be a Kung Fu artist. Uh, and it just means that you have practiced to the point of being excellent at something. Mm -hmm. So uh, what they strive to do is to not only be excellent in their movements, but to bring their mind and their body together into a unity that uh, a lot of people don't have. Were you skeptical at all about the meditative part of the Not practice? No. So tell me about when, when you first were introduced to the practice of meditation, that first experience. Right. I was, I was more curious. I was very interested. And I was not skeptical at all. Hmm. In fact, uh, just a side story, um, my father uh, celebrated his 17th birthday in Shanghai, China. He was a Marine that was, he enlisted very early. Uh, they, his mother signed the papers to get him in. He joined the Marines when he was 15. My grandfather was 17. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So by the time he was 17, he found himself in Shanghai, China, and was taken under the wing of a Buddhist monk. <laughs> and this impacted my father greatly. And I remember him telling us stories about this. And I think that might be where some of my curiosity came from, because my father would tell stories about what the monk taught him in terms of meditation. So it was in the family vernacular. It was kind yeah. of in the family vernacular, kind mm -hmm. of like a little seed planted in the back of my brain sure. when I was younger. So uh, in a way, I, I kind of look at what I do now in terms of Shaolin Kung Fu and just learning more about their culture is kind of uh, uh, an homage to my dad and kind of picking up where he left off. So, Do you remember the first time you meditated? Yeah, yeah. It was um, really interesting. Uh, was it a guided meditation? It was Walk a, me through it. Yeah, it was guided meditation. Mm -hmm. um, where we were at at the, at the Shaolin school where I study, they have a little hall that's separated off, and that's where they do with their meditation. Uh, we would drink tea. Mm -hmm. We would do a little bit of walking, and then we would be brought into this meditation hall. And uh, the hardest part was sitting cross-legged. Uh, Oddly enough, pretty soon after about three minutes, you're thinking, oh, God, my, my legs really do hurt. Right. And it's hard not to concentrate on the pain that you're feeling in your knees and your legs. But you get past that. You have to keep at it. A lot of people give up because sometimes they find it too uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're uncomfortable, uncross your legs. I'll tell you yeah. that right now. You can do that. I sit in the you chair. Know, you sit in the chair. Mm -hmm. You make yourself comfortable. Right. Um, the reason why you cross your legs and some sit in a full lotus position is because of the way it can help channel the chi through your body. It's like uh, uh, the infinity symbol. You know, it's just that constant infinity of energy flowing through your body. Mm -hmm. uh, so after a while, I was able to sit more comfortably and uh, sit that in that position. And uh, pretty soon I found myself not thinking about my legs and th thinking about not thinking and thinking about uh, recognizing a thought and letting it go. Right. You know, uh, it's not that you stop your thoughts. It's just that you you don't dwell on them. And you don't judge them. Mm -hmm. Right. And I always picture myself, whenever when I first started meditating, the thing I would picture was walking through a field of tall grass. And 
every bit of grass that brushed against me was a thought. And I would just let it brush by and let it go and brush by and let it go until pretty soon I wasn't even thinking about what thoughts were there. I just saw myself walking through the grass and there were no more thoughts to brush by. It was just now this visual and then the visual kind of faded away to just a point of light and then the point of light just became my point of focus. And uh, that's kind of how I was able to visualize my meditation to the point where I was no longer dwelling on my thoughts. So. Can I share you, with you my... Of my, course, absolutely. Everybody me, has something, yeah. For me, I'm, I mean, it's fascinating. And mm-hmm. I, did you come up with that yourself? I mean, yeah, that was just, yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's a beautiful image. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I, might, I might steal that from <laughs> Take you. Take it, it's yours. Um, I'll see if you like this one. I'm standing on a ledge and it, the ledge is a stone ledge and it's wet and there's a big waterfall in front of me and I'm behind the waterfall in the shade mm-hmm. and the wind and the and the water's coming down in front of me and my thoughts are in that water and I simply observe my thoughts as they right. pass right. and I get to observe it and then suddenly I just focus on the sound of the waterfall. Yeah, same thing. As I watch the thoughts. Isn't it neat how it's we really each something. came up with something similar but it that's what we do. You know, everybody has their own way of figuring it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and how long have you been practicing meditation? Um, it's been about 10 years now that I've been studying Shaolin mm-hmm. and meditation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What are your moves like? Can you defend yourself in a dark alley? Um, you know, I like to think that maybe the reflex is there. And then, yes, I could. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I hope I never have to. But Yeah, yeah. What, uh, what has meditation done f- for your life, would you say? Wow. Well, it's it's had definite physical ramifications. Um, you know, the whole thing of, you know, lower blood pressure, uh, less stress at work. My job is very stressful. I have a day job that what I do work. You do? I work at a pharmaceutical company um, working in what they call uh, uh, supply chain management, mm-hmm. change control. And it's very stressful, very deadline driven, very regimented. Um, tedious. Why? You didn't go to music school to get into that. No, I sure didn't. <laughs> I but, went into music to get away from that. <laughs> yeah, well, I never quite was able to make that break. Uh, you know, things like house mortgages and sure. insurance and all that. So I've been living this dual life for a very long time. But uh, one thing that uh, meditation helped me do was to kind of bridge the gap of that duality where I'm not constantly feeling like I'm making a hundred degree switch from my day job to the opera world, you know, and back again. Um, I find more of myself in each of those positions so that um, they're getting more of me instead of me getting more of them, if that makes any sense. It does. And that I, I, I express this to you before that I, I when I'm deep into meditation and doing it regularly or every day, I feel like there's this cushion between me and the rest of the world. And I think that's a matter of semantics and describing the same mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Where they do get more of me, but I don't have to. I, I, I have this uh, space around me. Right. That's a nice cushion. Right. Uh, so, and I'm, you know, and I'm not completely... Uh, uh, invulnerable to a lot of the pressures and every well, once in a while I have to really remove drive. myself. Every and, once in a while you have to drive in, yeah, in LA. Yes, <laughs> yeah, head up to the mountains or something. Uh, but uh, it's, and the other thing that meditation helps you do or it helps me do is to recognize when I'm starting to feel the pressure and when I'm starting to feel the anxiousness and the stress and to 
stop it in its tracks before it takes me over, before I allow it to control me, mm-hmm. I have the techniques now to control it and keep it at bay. Right. It helps me with also the intangible part of life, the the existential part of life and of being and uh, living and dying and what yep. what is it supposed to mean yep. and uh, and I have kids so I, I when I had kids I found that I struggled with that even more what what do I teach them what do I when when my son asks he just asked me the other day he said daddy are you gonna die mm-hmm. and he's four and I said yes darling I am going to die mm-hmm. oh, well when I said I don't know yeah. he said are you gonna be a hundred and I said I hope so mm-hmm. and he said why daddy and I said well because that means I've lived a long life. And he says, what happens after you die? And I said, sweetheart, that's one of the great mysteries. Yeah. And those types of questions that beg certain types of answers from a child that's looking for, I don't know what, I don't know if it's comfort or if it's just, or if it's just information or curiosity. But I'll tell you, having the space uh, between life and myself yeah. to deal with those things yeah. in a way that is appropriate in the moment mm-hmm. is uh, invaluable. Yep. Um, what did we miss? What, what else? Well, um, what, are, what, what are your future plans hold? Well, I'd like to keep singing. Do you have uh, a family? I don't have a family. I've, I've never been married. Mm-hmm. Um, I did raise, uh, help raise two nephews, uh, my brother's boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, my brother was quite ill, and both he and his wife were both quite ill and uh, unable to uh, take care of their two boys. So we got them when they were really pretty young. Mm-hmm. They were like five and six and a half, I think, when we first got them. Wow. And so we, my sister, and I live with my sister, and then when my mom was widowed and uh, she had this big house in not too far from here, actually, mm-hmm. uh, she sold that house and we all bought a house together. And because my sister and I were both unmarried and my mom was recently widowed. So uh, we thought just from an economic standpoint, that might be a smarter thing to do than to throw our money away in rent. So sure. that's what we did. And I've been living with my sister now in Burbank ever since. And it was during this whole period that my nephews came to live with us and they grew up and they're off on their own. And neither home, so. neither of you married. Why is that? You know, uh, it's not for the lack of trying. Uh, on my part, uh, I know my sister was very much in love with a man who developed a muscular dystrophy. And she wanted to marry him, and he said, no, I don't oh want you gosh. to go through this. So it was rather very sad when that broke off. And uh, I think to this very day, she regrets never having the chance to marry him. But, you know, we were raised to be pretty independent kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, marriage wasn't always the be end and end of all course. of our lives. And, and uh, my dad always taught us that, you know, you can do anything if you set your mind to it, and you don't, you know, you don't need anybody else to help you. Mm-hmm. So in that regard, uh, it was not the primary focus of my life. Is that a regret at all? Well, I always wanted a family. I Mm -hmm. love children. Mm -hmm. I loved being around children. Um, I was a nursery school teacher for a while. I was a kinder music teacher for a while, teaching little toddlers music. And oh my God, it was just amazing. They are so smart and so cute. Um, And, uh, you know... I was always one of those unrequited love type stories, you know, mm-hmm. where I was always falling in love with somebody who just didn't love me. And it was like, well, oh, well. So after a while, you kind of figure, well, all right, let's just sure. move on and uh, let's go do some kung fu. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Well, thank you. I I was so honored and thrilled that you asked me, and uh, it's just been really fun well, to I'm just glad sit here you and said chat. Yes. Well, thank you. <laughs> Well, there you have it, folks. That was Veronica Christensen. Thanks for being on my little program here, Veronica. I enjoy singing next to you on stage with the opera greats. I enjoyed getting to chat with you, which we've never done. And I, I, I don't know why, because you're lovely. So thank you. Hope you all have a great rest of your week. Remember to always be kind to one another. And until next time. Stuff you probably like to dance. You like long walks and you wear clean pants. Genius. Get onto my show.